1: Welcome to Season 6, Episode 7 of They Walk Among Us A podcast dedicated to UK true crime This episode contains distressing themes And is intended for a mature audience Listener caution is advised In the simplest terms, assisted by her husband, she starved him to death, thereby securing for herself and her family the windfall she craved. Oliver Saxby QC, Reading Crown Court, January 2020.
2: Just say no comment. Uh, Let's let's not. Let's not. Just say no comment. Uh.
1: Surrounded on all sides by open verdant fields, thatched cottages, and a network of public footpaths, the village of South Newington is thriving, in spite of such a small population. Only a few hundred residents live there. Around a mile from the parish church, the gated entrance to High Havens Farm keeps out unwanted visitors. A long, narrow, single-track road affords occupants the ability to notice callers before they arrive at the front door, providing ample time to ready the home for any impromptu visits. In the centre of 65 acres of land sits the farmhouse, part built from old stone and a new brick extension. It is located next to a series of outbuildings, all of which have been weathered by time. In March 2014, several decrepit caravans were littered across the site, land isolated in the open countryside. Then neither the farmhouse nor the outbuildings were kept in the best condition. A great deal of renovation work was needed. However, due to its size, High Havens Farm is an incredibly valuable property. When it was sold four years later, it reportedly fetched just shy of two million pounds. James Anthony Sutheran lived on High Havens Farm. He came from an incredibly affluent family. They own numerous properties in Oxfordshire and a great deal of land throughout Yorkshire. In 2008, the millionaire was living with his mother, Mary Joy Sutheran, more commonly known as Joy. The former matron of Bloxham School was fond of animals and enjoyed tending to her garden. However, in her autumn years, life was hard. Joy struggled with dementia And so her son was supported by a live-in carer. He had to place his absolute trust that they were providing the best care possible. Alas, four years later, in August 2012, Joy Sutheran passed away of natural causes. She was 92 years old. Her estate was substantial then worth £1.5 million. But her only son had an even more sizable fortune, somewhere in the region of £3.5 million. James Anthony Sutheran formerly worked as a livestock auctioneer's clerk, also referred to by his middle name, Anthony was now retired. He was well-liked among his circle of friends and acquaintances. Anthony had a great affection for rural life. He was clearly an intelligent man, but sadly his struggles with his mental health were well-known. The issues he faced were complex. Anthony had previously been sectioned for three months as he experienced severe anxiety. He had married his previous partner Dawn in the mid-1980s, and three years later their daughter Hannah was born. But Antony Southeran found the entire experience of raising a child immensely challenging, and temporarily separated from his then-wife before that rift was made permanent and the marriage broke down entirely. Anthony moved away from his family, but during 2008, he moved back in with his mother and a carer at High Havens Farm. He rarely left the property and could not take care of himself. Anthony was vulnerable to self neglect. He would be labelled a recluse and court documents refer to the possibility that Anthony was contending with both obsessive compulsive disorder and clinical depression when he was seen at his mother's funeral he looked unkempt it was clear he was confronting a very difficult period in his life Sadly, only 18 months after Joy Southeran's death, another tragedy would strike the family. The body of Anthony Southeran was discovered on Tuesday, March 18, 2014 in the bedroom of his home on High Haven's farm. He was 59 years old. Anthony was six feet tall, and when he was younger weighed in the region of 17 stone, almost 240 pounds. But before his death, it was obvious his weight had plummeted. His body tipped the scales at nine stone. He was severely emaciated. A post-mortem was carried out. A pathologist concluded that a lung infection had developed because of malnutrition and a deep-seated pressure sore on Anthony Southeran's back had turned septic. It was large at seven by seven centimetres. Dr. Ben Phillips, who conducted the post-mortem, noted a lack of any muscle tone on the body. There were several marks on the skin, over the legs, feet, shoulders, elbows and head. It appeared as though Antony had neither moved nor had eaten much in the period leading up to his death. It could not be confirmed when precisely Antony Southeran died. It might well have been earlier on March 18th the day his body was found, or up to three days before. The circumstances of Anthony Sutheran's death were puzzling. How could pneumonia have set in? How could he be skin and bones? He was meant to be under the watchful eye of a living carer who had previously looked after Antony's mother. Linda Rickard, who was also living on the farm with her husband, did not report Antony's death. The discovery was made by a doctor when they made an unannounced visit to the farm. Dr Hilary Edwards, who had over three decades of experience and worked as a GP at a surgery nearby, drove to High Havens Farm on Tuesday, March 18, 2014, to carry out a routine, albeit unscheduled, examination. However, when she arrived, she was unable to get in and could not access the property. Dr. Edwards had visited Anthony around a year earlier, and it was clear that he was struggling. The situation was not helped by his living conditions. He was not drinking or eating enough, and he was getting no exercise. The doctor was worried about Anthony's diet and lack of muscle mass. Dr. Edwards could see the farm had fallen into disrepair. Some of the weeds and wild plants were overgrown, almost engulfing the outbuildings they surrounded. It was obvious the interior was offered as little attention as the outside. Piles of clothing, sheets, suitcases, electrical equipment, children's toys and boxes of belongings were stacked high in every room. The doctor would later recall to a jury how when she entered Antony's room, she could see mice were present. They had left droppings on the floor. The bedsheets looked unwashed, and Antony, or possibly someone else, was cutting his hair and nails, leaving the cuttings on the floor. This earlier visit had been prompted by Linda Rickard, who had been the one to notify the local surgery. She said she was concerned about her employer. Dr Edwards recommended that he try and eat or drink something high in calories. Now, a year later, Dr Edwards again decided to pay Anthony Sutheran an unannounced visit. She would not be able to explain why she went to High Haven's farm that day. It was nothing more than an inkling, a feeling in the pit of her stomach that she should go and check on him. At first Dr Edwards waited outside the farm as no one would let her in. When Anthony's carer Linda Rickard eventually unlocked the gate, she explained that she was tending to the horses. The pair had a conversation about Anthony's well-being. Linda said that she had not seen Anthony and did not know where he was. She eventually admitted that it had been over a day since she had last heard from him. The two went up to Anthony's room, positioned above the sitting area where Linda and her husband would spend their time relaxing. Linda called out as if to introduce herself, then knocked on the door. And they received no response, they decided to enter the room. Antony? Anthony, Antony, the doctor is here to see you, Linda called out. Antony Sutheran was lying motionless on a mattress situated on the floor. The doctor could find no pulse. Anthony was cold to the touch. It was evident that no water or food had passed his lips in some time. Anthony had no clothing on the lower half of his body which was covered by a stained blanket. There looked to be a bucket in the room that had been used as a makeshift toilet. Although this was undoubtedly an upsetting sight... What Dr Edwards found even more peculiar was how neat the room was. This was something that the doctor had never seen before. New neatly folded clothing hung on a chair, and the cleanliness of the room seemed at odds with the rest of the house. Furthermore, despite Antony's skeletal appearance, food was in the room. An apple some toast and a chocolate snack but they were far out of reach from someone bedbound. The police were contacted immediately. After officers arrived at the property they saw Antony's body on the floor. The smell of urine hung heavy in the air and the room felt freezing cold. An officer remarked that the food looked, quote, fresher than Anthony. When the body was moved from the mattress, it was noticed that the blanket was saturated. A physician would later conclude that, had Antony been treated at least a week before his death, his life might very well have been saved. Over the intervening years, the relationship between carer Linda Rickard and the wider Sutheran family became fraught. A sense of animosity was palpable. After Joyce Sutheran's death, a will had supposedly been signed in which she would be leaving half of her estate to her son and half to Linda Rickard. Amendments mentioned a quote, special friendship between Linda Rickard and Anthony Sutheran, with the changes stating they would safeguard Anthony and Linda's future. However, the circumstances of who witnessed the signing of the will were somewhat suspicious, and some financial transactions were not adding up. Regardless, paperwork for the estate was submitted, and Linda and her husband, Wayne, assumed they would be receiving a significant financial windfall. Also, the Rickards' children were to benefit. One was potentially going to receive a car, another a flat. Unsurprisingly, this raised some questions, and the dispute for who would receive a share of the estate began. Sadly, it was only a year and a half later when Joy Sutheran's son Anthony passed away. Coincidentally, he also had just so happened to have made a will shortly before his death in February 2014. He had apparently left a third of his entire estate to Linda Rickard, preventing a sizable inheritance from being passed to Anthony's daughter Hannah. Antony's estate was worth three times as much as his mother's, £3.5 million. There had already been questions around the will of Joy Sutheran, and now the claim for further assets was headed to the courts. The Ricards were confident they would get what they thought they were owed, a third of Anthony Sutheran's estate, but the process to obtain the funds was not so easy to enact. While Anthony's death was not treated as suspicious at the time, there were plenty of questions that remained unanswered, most notably some of the financial records and how a will was ultimately signed. The Ricards' argument for probate was denied, and although they presented the wills when the case went to civil court, they lost their claim. Subsequently, probate was granted to Hannah Sutheran, Antony's daughter. She had seen little of her father during the final years of his life, although it was not for the lack of trying. As financial records were being retrospectively catalogued, it was plain to see that the bank accounts for Joy Sutheran and her son Anthony were being used after their death. Thousands of pounds had been taken. There was also suspicion that Joy and Anthony Sutheran's wills had been forged, and this may very well be linked to Antony's death. It was theorised that as the Rickards realised that their claim to Joy's estate was in question and they were running out of money, they needed to do something to cement their claim. Was it really just coincidence that Anthony Sutherland died shortly after signing a will? No arrests had initially been made by the Thames Valley Police. However, following consultation with prosecutors, it was recommended the constabulary look further into the circumstances of Anthony Sutheran's death and the possibility both he and his mother could have been defrauded. In the meantime, Linda Rickard and her husband were eventually evicted from the farmhouse in 2017. The investigation was not easy. The paperwork alone covered over 20,000 pages. This included witness accounts of anyone that had dealings with Anthony, his mother, the living carer and anyone connected to the signing of the wills. Financial records for the alleged victims and the people suspected of being involved in fraudulent activity and a potential murder. Medical records also needed to be assessed to understand if neglect occurred and if it was purposeful. And, countless pages of handwriting samples had to be reviewed by experts. It had to be proved that the wills were forged. A substantial investigation was undertaken by the Thames Valley Police Major Crime Unit. It involved a tangled web of connections to numerous suspects and spanned a significant period. Linda Rickard and her husband Wayne could very well have inherited a slice of Anthony Southeran's £3.5 million fortune. There was also the money that had been spent during the time that Linda was meant to have been looking after Joy and her son Anthony. The last time Anthony C. Rand was seen alive by anyone other than Linda Rickard and her husband was in January 2014, two months before Anthony's death. The following month, in February, a call was made by Linda Rickard to 111, a non-emergency number for medical inquiries in the UK. Linda informed the call handler that her employer had fallen out of bed. A recording of that call was captured and was later presented in court
2: good afternoon nhs 111 can i start by taking the patient's location starting with the postcode okay i'm not sure if it's an emergency or not if i write turn the right number i'm not sure what are you looking okay. for okay okay well um i um i have a friend living with me um yep. he's um in his late 50s yep um he's um a, i guess he's kind of a recluse he doesn't go out very much and his eating is not very good and things. Um, Well, he had a bath last night, and he had fell out of bed yesterday morning, um, because his balance is not great, and he said his leg was hurting a bit. So, okay, he had a bath last night, thought maybe that would make him feel better. Um, He said his leg was still hurting. I said, well, shall I run you up to the hospital to get an X-ray? No, 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 it'll be fine. So this morning, I'd just gone to wake him up, and he fell out of bed again. He got back up on the bed, and he said, oh, I can't put any weight on my left leg can't and put weight on my left leg. hurt
1: yesterday as well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, he did stand on it last night, um, but he said it was hurting. Well, this morning he said it hurt. Um, I just said to him, let's run up the hospital to, you know, to get you an X-ray, see if you've broken something or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, he didn't want to do that. He doesn't want me to call the doctor this morning. So I just said, let, let me call the app hours to see what to do. Um, I don't know if it's broken or not, if it's, or if he just pulled something or... Yeah, if it's just br- really heavy bru- bruising. Yeah, but I can't get him to come downstairs. <laughs> right, OK. So he's not uh, not a very outgoing chap? He doesn't go out very much at all. So he had any bleeding of any kind in the
1: last half? No. Linda Rickard was instructed to take Anthony Sutheran to the hospital, although she never did. This was around a month before he was found dead. Anthony Sutherland's financial records were analysed by detectives, and it appeared as though there were numerous withdrawals every week. Hundreds upon hundreds of pounds was being spent on buying shopping. It was clear based on the transactions that visits were made to the supermarket, although not by Anthony. He rarely left the house. Reportedly, Anthony Sutheran was concerned, given his past experience, he would end up in hospital. He would be assessed and then held against his will in a mental health facility. Five years after Anthony Sutheran's death, The police entered the home of Linda Rickard, his former carer. One of the officers was wearing a body cam. Linda Rickard is sitting on the sofa in her front room. Piles of clothes to her left, reminiscent of what the police saw when they entered High Haven's farm. It almost appears as if she knows what is coming and is looking to divert her attention elsewhere. Anywhere but in that room. Yeah.
2: I've got quite a lot to read out to you, alright? So I'll read it all out and try and hopefully explain. I might be arrested and being taken away. You are gonna be, yeah, alright? Just, right? just so listen to what my colleagues can say. I'm not really interested. Okay. Um alright, so the time now, Linda, is oh five thirty-four, okay? i am arresting you on suspicion of murder, okay? Contrary to common law. Um that even
1: killed... Linda repeatedly but unsuccessfully strikes a series of matches, hoping to light a cigarette. When she finally does, she takes a large drag of her last cigarette before she is taken into police custody. Please don't talk to each other just now. As Linda's husband Wayne is standing in the doorway... Despite a warning from officers for the two not to speak, Linda tells him to keep quiet. Just say
2: no, no comment. No. comment uh, let's, let's not. Let's not. not. You know, yes. they on, the on the table. That's fine. Oh, God. God. All right. Wayne, King. just say no comment.
1: Uh. At the time of the arrest, the husband and wife had since moved to Banbury, a town also in Oxfordshire, around eight miles north of Anthony Sutheran's home. Previously, the Rickards were renting High Haven's farm from Anthony, and had been doing so since May 2006. A tenancy agreement was drawn up with Linda Rickard. She was to pay £600 per month. Over the next 13 months, several amendments were made. The rent gradually decreased to the point where the Rickards saw a reduction, providing they helped look after Anthony Sutheran after he moved back to the farm. Linda Rickard would deal with the shopping, laundry and ensure that Anthony ate. By the end of December 2008... An arrangement was reached where Linda Rickard, a mother to three children, would provide care for Anthony's mother Joy, who was by then in her late 80s and suffered from dementia. The Rickards would pay no rent, and Linda received a salary of £900 a week, just shy of £47,000 a year. The payments were made to an account owned by both Linda and Wayne Rickard. The level of care Linda Rickard provided was obviously being questioned. Ian and Deborah Charles, who were members of Anthony's wider family, went to visit him in 2013, a year after Anthony's mother passed away. They were concerned for his health. Antony's living carer was present, but whenever he went to say something, Linda frequently spoke on Antony's behalf or spoke over him. It seemed he was only allowed to respond to a question after receiving a visual cue from Linda Rickard. Ian and Deborah Charles were perhaps some of Antony's only visitors. Linda Rickard rarely granted anyone access to the farm without her authorization. She would not provide the security code to the gate at the front entrance of the property to anyone, not even Anthony Southeran's daughter. The situation became even more complicated after Anthony Southeran's death. Along with the court battle with his family, the Rickards refused to leave the farmhouse. It was only after a court order they were evicted and were finally removed in 2017. Arrests for murder followed a few years later. Linda and Wayne Rickard were summoned before a magistrate's court in Oxford. The pair were accused of multiple crimes all relating to the suspicious death of Antony Sutheran. The charge sheet was comprehensive and clearly painted the picture of a living carer and her husband that drained the bank accounts of the very people they were meant to be looking after. It was argued they had a desire to exploit, obtaining the fortune of millionaires who were clearly in need of support reliant on someone to take care of them. Linda Rickard, who was then 60, was charged with murder, unless a charge of manslaughter, fraud by abuse of power, possessing or controlling an article for use in fraud, two counts of conspiring to pervert the course of justice, two counts of making a false instrument with intent to be accepted as genuine, and four counts of fraud by false representation. Like his wife, Wayne Rickard, who was then 64, was also charged with murder, along with further charges of conspiring to pervert the course of justice, fraud by false representation, and causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult. While there was a substantial number of charges... It was ruled that both Linda and Wayne Rickard would be granted bail during the 10 months between their first court appearance and the trial, which was expected to last two and a half months. It was due to begin in January 2020. The investigation by the Thames Valley Police Force focused not only on the husband and wife who were charged with murder and fraud, but the major crime unit had four other suspects in their crosshairs. Although they were not suspected of murder, they were accused of fraud. All lived either in Oxfordshire or its neighbouring counties. Shanda Robinson, who, like the Rickards, also lived in Banbury, was close friends with Linda. Shanda was a mother to a young child. From the village of Lower Tyso in Warwickshire, Denise Neal was meant to have helped Linda Rickard care for Joy and Anthony Sutheran. However, to what extent any support was provided could be argued. Michael Dunkley, who lived in Bloxham, Oxfordshire, knew the Rickards, and they were godparents to Dunkley's child. The village of Bloxham is only a five-minute drive from the farmhouse where Anthony Sutheran's body was found. Finally, June Allsford from Ainhoe, Northamptonshire, was also accused of fraud. She too was another friend to Linda Rickard. Like the Rickards, the four suspects also connected to the case appeared before Oxford Crown Court. Both Shanda Robinson, 49, and June Allsford, 76, were charged with fraud by false representation and conspiring to pervert the course of justice. Michael Dunkley, 47, and Denise Neal, 39, each faced a single charge of fraud by false representation. As with the other two suspects, bail was granted, and as per due process, no plea was entered at this stage. There appears to be little information on the commonplace backgrounds of both Linda Rickard and her husband Wayne. It is known Wayne was born in America and previously worked as a U.S. Air Force engineer. Linda Rickard had no criminal record to speak of, which makes her alleged actions even more shocking, considering it was being argued that she starved a man to death, cut him off from his family, and deprived him of sustenance, sanitation, and the medical care he so desperately needed. January 23rd, 2020 A trial began at Reading Crown Court although only five of the six suspects would be facing a jury June Olsford, who was 76 at the time of her arrest had pleaded guilty to two charges fraud by false representation and conspiring to pervert the course of justice The defendant admitted that she falsely claimed to have witnessed Joyce Sutherland signing a will that would have left half of her estate to her son and half to Linda Rickard. Linda Rickard did not deny all of the crimes she was accused of. Over the years she admitted that she had illegally obtained an undetermined amount of money that belonged to Anthony Sutherland. Somewhere between forty to one hundred and thirty thousand pounds. She also used between fifty to one hundred seventy thousand pounds of Joyce Sutheran's money and spent it as if it were her own. The amounts were considerable, and used on the private school education of the Rickard's three children. Paying off any debts the couple had accrued and keeping the husband and wife in the lifestyle to which they had grown accustomed. It was argued, however, in spite of the confession to some fraud charges, Linda claimed the money was not spent on, quote, high living. A year before her death, Joy Sutheran had a separate savings account in which she saved £80,000 but shortly before she died there was only £5,000 left. Joy was frail and suffered from dementia. This was evident. But curiously, thousands of pounds were supposedly being withdrawn by her between 2008 and 2012. It was alleged by the prosecution that in December 2010, Linda and Wayne Rickard used some of Joy's money around £30,000, to buy a 4x4 motor vehicle. It was registered under the name of Wayne Rickard, but purchased using a cheque allegedly written by Joy Sutheran. Neither Linda Rickard nor her husband Wayne ever provided a straight answer to either the salesperson on the garage forecourt, or their friends when asked where the money to buy it came from as Wayne Rickard said the money came from his mother-in-law and then Linda Rickard said the vehicle belonged to her son. Linda Rickard admitted that she had forged the signatures of both Anthony Sutheran and Joy Sutheran on tenancy agreements and their wills. This would have entitled her to a third of Anthony's estate... Were £3.5 million and half of his mother's at £1.5 million. This admission covered the guilty pleas regarding multiple counts of fraud. While the prosecution's argument was clear, Anthony Sutheran was slowly starved to death, a prisoner in his own home, Linda Ricard said she had nothing to do with it. She admitted to forging his will but not causing or allowing his death. This was pure coincidence. She was charged not only with murder but an alternative charge of gross negligence manslaughter. According to Linda, Anthony's death was a, quote, consequence of how he chose to live his life. Linda Rickard's counsel, Mary LaRam QC, said her client felt shame on a profound level for what she had done, but still insisted she was not a murderer. Also charged with murder, Linda's husband, Wayne Rickard, denied the charge and the additional lesser charge he faced of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult. Wayne Rickard was described as someone who stood by and did nothing. As Linda’s husband was living in the same house as both his wife, who it was being alleged was depriving Anthony Sutheran of food, drink, sanitation and life-saving medical care. Wayne Rickard took no action to stop his wife, allowing it to happen. The married couple were also arguing a single count of fraud, as related to the purchase of the 4x4 motor vehicle. Acting for the Crown, Oliver Saxby QC told jurors that Antony Sutheran was starved to death as Linda and Wayne Rickard sought to obtain a piece of his fortune. Linda Rickard was employed as Antony's living carer, and the prosecutor said on the face of it this was the impression she gave off. But behind closed doors... She was slowly taking measures to ensure Anthony Sutherland's physical and mental health declined rapidly. Anthony Sutheran was reliant on Linda Rickard for his care, no more so than in the final weeks of his life as he was bedbound. Anthony suffered from a complicated set of mental health issues. He was unaware of how his family's fortune was being spent but it was clear it was not going towards his care. It was suggested he was isolated, defrauded and eventually murdered. The prosecution claimed that Anthony was not aware of the fraud committed against his family when his mother's will was forged. The Ricards had obtained a large sum of money from his mother when she was alive and sought the funds from her estate after her death. Oliver Saxby QC described Linda Rickard’s behavior as sinister. Around seven months before his death, Anthony received a visit from a cousin who looked after some of the Sutheran’s financial affairs. Richard Stubbs was appointed to manage a family trust which had been set up by his great-grandfather the prosecutor recounted what Richard Stubbs had seen. In the past, Stubbs had been told that Antony was continually unavailable. Then de Ricard often cancelled prearranged appointments at the last minute. But Antony's cousin was determined to find out what was going on and gained access to the farmhouse. Antony's small bedroom on the top floor was described as foul and unhygienic. It was likened to a prison cell. He had nothing to read or watch. The room was filthy. Although there were windows, part of the pane was smashed, so there was nothing stopping the freezing cold air from coming in. The bed sheets had not been changed in months and were heavily stained. Anthony had lost a great deal of weight, and his appearance was labelled as dishevelled and scruffy. Apart from the clothes on Anthony's back, there were no items of clothing that his cousin could see. At the time, Anthony spoke of being terrified that he would lose his home and be sectioned under the Mental Health Act. Also, he did not want to upset Linda Rickard. He could not bring himself to broach the topic of selling the farm as he had considered buying a property near his daughter. Richard Stubbs could not believe his eyes and so took photos of his uncle's living conditions. These images would later be shown to a jury. In this position of power... It was alleged that with the assistance of her husband Wayne, Linda Rickard saw an opportunity to, quote, ruthlessly exploit Anthony by cutting him off from his family, stopping him from seeing a doctor, and then denying him any sustenance. The prosecutor said, quote, she was eyeing a windfall. That windfall came to be dependent on Anthony Southeran's death and she got impatient and worried that windfall might elude her. According to Oliver Saxby QC, it would have been clear to anyone that had seen him that Antony was suffering as he had barely eaten or drank any water. He was skin and bones. He slept on the floor with only a filthy mattress and a blanket to keep him comfortable a piece of tarpaulin had been laid out to ensure Anthony did not soil the carpet. It was said that unknown to Anthony, his mobile phone had been taken and the settings amended so he could not receive calls. He thought no one cared. Friends and family, including his daughter who attempted to contact him, rushed away being told that he did not want to see them. During her grandmother's funeral in 2012, Anna Sutherland pleaded with Linda Rickard to see her father. She would later speak about how she felt Anthony was controlled and isolated. As he was cut off from his friends and family, unaware of what Linda Rickard was doing, This only further impacted Antony's mental state and increased his feelings of loneliness. He was entirely dependent on his carer. Linda Rickard appeared to be driving a wedge between father and daughter, telling each of them that the other did not want to see them. Furthermore, after an investigation into Linda Rickard's financial affairs... Subsequent to Anthony Sutheran's body being found, she pretended to be him over electronic correspondence despite him being dead. It appeared that due to the delay in a falsified will being paid, Linda Rickard carried out yet more dishonesty to obtain funds to tide her over. Although not accused of Anthony Sutherland's murder, the other defendants were charged for playing their part in an alleged conspiracy to forge Joy and Anthony Sutherland's wills. Shanda Robinson was accused of conspiracy to pervert the course of justice and fraud by false representation when she claimed to have witnessed Joy Sutheran signing a will in 2012 which would leave half of Joy's estate to Linda Rickard. At the time, Joy Sutheran was suffering from dementia, and her will was supposedly signed the same year she died. Both Michael Dunkley and Denise Neal were accused of one count of fraud by false representation when they claimed to have witnessed Anthony Sutheran signing a will dated February 19th, 2014. A third of his estate would have been handed to Linda Rickard. Oliver Saxby QC explained how Linda Rickard contacted a non-emergency number on February 23, 2014 and was advised to take Anthony Sutheran to the accident and emergency room. His care was entirely in her hands, although she did nothing. The prosecutor said, "Anthony would have been virtually immobile, would have suffered rapid weight loss, probably had little food intake and would not have been in a fit state to make informed decisions about his welfare. Describing Linda Rickard's actions, the prosecutor went on to say that she was, quote, Perfectly happy for Anthony Southeran to fade away. Not only did she neglect him, with her husband's support and assistance, she also played an active part in accelerating his death. Their motive was obvious. If he died, they stood to gain financially and substantially. This was Linda Rickard's plan. But it was not one she could achieve without her husband's assistance. Everything would have been lost if he had decided off his own bat to give Antony proper food or call in the emergency services. The allegation we make that she precipitated Antony Sutheran's death is an incredibly serious one. Do not doubt, we say, that for money, she would have been willing to do just that. By the end of January 2020, around a week into the trial, the court case had only just begun. Oliver Saxby QC had finished his opening remarks and witnesses were being called when somewhat puzzlingly, it was announced that the trial was halted and the jury were to be discharged. They had most likely heard something that would have influenced their decision retrial was initially scheduled for October 2020. As with many cases in the courts, there were delays, impacted further by the coronavirus outbreak. But in this instance, the reason for why this trial was abandoned and new proceedings commenced has not, up until this point, been reported publicly. It had been nearly six years between Anthony Sutherland's death and the first trial. It would be another 15 months until the second set of legal proceedings began at Reading Crown Court, overseen by Mr Justice Wall. Oliver Saxby QC again acting on behalf of the Crown. Repeated much of what was said during the initial opening remarks before the prosecution was abruptly cut short. Saxby informed the new jury how friends and family of Anthony Sutheran quote, "smelt a rat," when it was realized that Linda Rickard might inherit half of Joyce Sutheran’s estate and a third of her sons. Anthony’s isolation suited Linda Rickard. It allowed her to tighten the net around him and exert her control over him and his affairs, the prosecutor said. As Anthony was confined behind closed doors, isolated on a farmhouse, Linda Ricard made sure that Anthony neglected himself and that behaviour continued until his body could take no more. It was labelled the perfect cover. Prosecutor Oliver Saxby QC told the jury Anthony said he was worried about upsetting Linda Rickard and scared of being evicted and placed in a mental health institution. Anthony Sutheran was set on a quote trajectory to die. The jury were told that the evidence to be presented in court would be particularly distressing. They saw images from a police officer's body cam, which pictured Anthony's half-naked body lying on the floor and wrapped in a blanket. According to the prosecutor, Linda Rickard and her husband argued that although they had forged two wills, they claim they did not realise the seriousness of Anthony Sutheran's medical health issues. The defendants charged with murder continue to assert that it was purely coincidental that they had forged the wills of both Joy Sutheran and her only son Anthony, who had died a month after he supposedly put pen to paper. three friends of the Rickards who had claimed to have witnessed the wills being signed, Michael Dunkley, Chanda Robinson and Denise Neal, continued to insist they played no part in the fraud. However, one of the suspects said to be involved, June Alsford, who was in her late 70s, pleaded guilty when she claimed that the false signing of a will was genuine. Anthony Sutheran's daughter Hannah testified for the prosecution. She spoke from behind a screen so as to not be seen by the defendants. She described how more often than not visits to see her father would be cancelled. The excuses she was given were either that her father was unwell, he did not want to see her, or he was out of the house at the time she visited. When she did see her father, Hannah Sutherland said this was not the man she knew. He looked awful, the witness testified. Dirty, very withered, scraggly hair, baling twine, so he didn't have a belt. It just wasn't my dad. When asked for the precise amount of times when she was able to see her father, the witness said around half, although Antony's daughter recalled there were almost half a dozen instances when she received a phone call from her father after being turned away, only to be told he was more than happy to see her. Hannah said her father was concerned about broaching the topic of selling the farm with his living carer, as she would have nowhere to live. witness recounted in December 2013, Around three months before her father's death, he spoke with his daughter over the phone. They had arranged to meet on the farm. Still, when Hannah turned up with her stepfather carrying a Christmas gift, she was greeted by Linda Rickard, who appeared incredibly flustered. She was not aware that Anthony's daughter was paying them a visit. Linda Rickard said Hannah's father did not want to see anyone. He was apparently feeling unwell. Anthony's daughter was distraught. Hannah had bought her father a belt as a Christmas present. Despite Hannah's insistence, she was not allowed to see him. It was only when she had almost arrived home that she received a call from Anthony asking if she was coming. Where are you? I don't want to see you, he asked. But overcome with emotion and unsure of what was going on, constantly being turned away by who she thought was her father, Anthony C. was told, This is too much. I can't deal with this. It was the final occasion when Anthony's daughter attempted to see him. The 59-year-old would die the following March. The final year of Antony's life was analysed in court, and Dr Peter Croker was called to the stand. He voiced his conclusion as to both Antony Sutheran's mental state and physical health. The consultant geriatrician described how Anthony Sutheran had a mental illness. The evidence suggested that he did have access to sustenance over the last 12 months of his life. Nevertheless, his weight plummeted by a third, leaving him weighing around nine stone. Dr Peter Croker testified, For a very long period when this man was still mobile... I cannot assume he was unable to get food. He was possibly starved, but I doubt it very much. I think this was psychiatric disease. But the expert witness said that things changed around the time Anthony Sutheran was injured, when he fell over twice, on February 22nd and then February 23rd, 2014. This was reported by Linda Rickard when she called 111, although she did not follow any of the guidance she was given. Dr. Croker said it was his opinion that Anthony Southeran had been neglected, as he needed people to care for him as he could not walk. A deep seated pressure sore Anthony Southeran developed would have been evident for anyone caring for him, most notably the smell he would have been in great discomfort. A large amount of morphine would usually be provided had he been a patient in the hospital. As the effects of his infection and the lack of food were being felt, Anthony would have been unable to move, and his ability to make any rational decisions would be impacted. Dr. Croker was confident that Anthony Sutheran would have lived had he received treatment. From the stand, the doctor said that the survival prognosis was good and death could have been avoided. The topic as to whether or not it was possible that Linda Rickard simply did not notice was posed by the judge. Mr Justice Wall was told by Dr Croker that Anthony Sutheran would have been unable to move by March 4th due to the infection and lack of sustenance. Based on an examination, it was concluded that Anthony had not eaten in 34 hours before his death. And another important thing to note. Anthony Sutheran would have been incontinent unable to reach the bathroom. However, when his body was found, it appeared as though the room had been cleaned before a doctor discovered his body. He would have been unable to clean up himself. So this leaves either Linda Rickard, her husband or both of them as to who was responsible for staging the scene with clean clothes. Dr. Hilary Edwards, who found Antony's body, addressed the court and spoke of how, although it was unsettling to see the body, she was just as surprised by the cleanliness of the room. My eyes went down to the floor where I saw Antony, Dr. Edwards said. He was clearly dead. He was stone cold. I think I touched his head and checked for his pulse. He was cold and stiff. In the past, when I had visited, there had been mouse droppings in his bedroom, and I remember thinking, I hope there was no mouse under that covering on his body. I had not seen him for almost a year, and he was grossly thinner. My concern in June 2013 was loss of muscle mass and looking thinner. He was grossly thinner on this occasion. I told Linda Rickard that he was clearly dead and we needed to remove ourselves from the room. One of the defendants, Shanda Robinson, took the stand and described how she had no idea what she was doing when she put pen to paper confirming a will had been signed. Robinson was good friends with Linda Rickard and had even visited her on the farm. She denied any suggestion that she was working with the Rickards to obtain part of the Southeran's fortune. According to Robinson, she was unaware of what was going on, although she did admit that she was told what to say by Linda Rickard as solicitors were asking questions. Shanda Robinson told the court that she just signed the paperwork under the pretense that it was legitimate. Joyce signature was already on it, along with another acquaintance of the Rickards, June Allsford. Allsford, who was in her late seventies, had pleaded guilty to fraudulently signing the same will. Speaking about what happened and of Linda Rickard, Shanda Robinson said, I had no cause to think it would be dishonest. She was a really good friend, because I trusted her 100%. She's put me in a position where I could lose everything. A similar claim was made by another of the defendants, Denise Neal. Before her arrest, she had called Linda Rickard a close friend, although now she was saying she was tricked by someone that she would have done anything for. Denise Neal signed the paperwork without thinking as the request came from someone she trusted. Neal did not receive any financial benefit in the will, although it was brought to the court's attention that she was paid money for care around the farmhouse. This totaled £3,000. It was being claimed by the Crown that Denise Neal knew full well that the will had been forged, and she was fraudulently signing it. However, Neal said that she was not smart enough to understand what was happening. She said she felt manipulated questioned about how someone in Anthony Southeran's position was able to sign anything, let alone a will. The defendant said, It is thick, I agree. One hundred percent. I'm thick. Michael Dunkley, who was also charged with fraud, claimed that although he saw Anthony Southeran bent over a piece of paperwork in February 2014, he admitted that he never saw Anthony Sutheran put pen to paper. Michael Dunkley was familiar with Anthony, as Dunkley said he had completed some work on the farm, and he was also trying to arrange a discounted rental of a cottage that Anthony owned. Like co-accused Denise Neal, Michael Dunkley claimed that he did not know what he was signing. He was just following instructions. In his defence, he said there was nothing that indicated a signature had been forged. Uncley told the court, I didn't see pen strokes. He bent over it and the document moved. Then he pushed it over to me. At the time I signed it, I didn't know it was a will. I didn't look at it. I looked at where I needed to sign. The charges Linda Rickard and her husband Wayne faced were severe, however neither chose to take the stand and put forward their side of the story to jurors at Reading Crown Court. The living carer's argument was simple. She could not be held responsible for all the decisions Anthony Sootheran made, and his death was of his own making. In closing arguments, the prosecutor felt differently. Quote, From Linda and Wayne Rickard, a wall of silence when their chance to give evidence came. A situation that cries out for an explanation from each of them. There were three of them. One house, one dead, and yet silence from the other two. Linda Rickard is greedy, manipulative, and intent on financial gain, taking substantial risks and involving others. Friday, May 28th, 2021. Over seven years since Anthony Sutherland's death. The jury had heard the evidence over the course of the seven-week trial the second set of legal proceedings following an initial jury being discharged. Linda Rickard was accused of murdering Anthony Sutheran, denying him access to medical assistance and depriving him of sustenance. Her husband, Wayne Rickard, also faced the same charge of murder. The jury, however, did not feel they were equally culpable. Linda's husband was found not guilty of murder, but convicted of the lesser charge of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult, and he was found guilty of perverting the course of justice. Both Wayne Rickard and his wife were also found guilty of fraud, funds which they obtained illegally, using the money to purchase a 4x4 motor vehicle. It was alleged that Linda Rickard had heartlessly coerced and exploited the people she should have been caring for. Throughout the trial, she was the one who appeared to have been the focus of the prosecution's case. Her husband was seen as someone who stood by and did not intervene to stop what was happening. Linda Rickard was found guilty of murdering Anthony Southeran. A string of further verdicts would then follow. The three other defendants who were friends of the Rickards, Shanda Robinson, Denise Neal and Michael Dunkley, were also all found guilty of fraud when they claimed to have witnessed Joy and her son Anthony signing away a portion of their estate. Chanda Robinson was also found guilty of conspiring to pervert the course of justice. A senior Crown Prosecutor for the CPS spoke after the verdicts and described the ruthless actions of Linda Rickard. They were the likes of which he had rarely seen in his career. Robbie Webber said, This is a landmark case. This is the first time in 100 years that the Crown Prosecution Service has authorised an offence of murder by deliberate starvation, and in this case for financial gain and therefore we hope that will set a precedent for future consideration of such cases. The judge, Mr Justice Wall, did not hand down any sentences straight after the verdicts. It would not be until a few days later on Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, When the defendants would learn what the next period of their lives would hold. In a victim personal statement, Antony's daughter spoke of how she could not comprehend how someone who claimed to care for her father would leave him to die in such awful circumstances. It was not the first time she had faced the Rickards in court having previously gone through legal proceedings to fight for her rightful share to her father's estate. Anna Sutheran said, My trust in people has deteriorated significantly. Several aggravating factors related to Anthony Sutheran's murder. The planning and premeditation, his vulnerability, his suffering in his final days, and the persistent fraudulent activity. The only mitigating factors were Linda Rickard's lack of any previous criminal convictions and her age. When passing judgement, Mr Justice Wool said, your greed was such that when you thought that Antony Sutheran might act in a way that would derail your gravy train, you murdered him. You did so when you thought he might move out of the farm and into a cottage near to one owned by his daughter, so they could see one another regularly. This would have ended your control over his bank accounts and resulted in him selling the farm out from under you, so that you would have been homeless." You had tried to obtain a large injection of cash and property by forging his mother's will. This attempt was foundering, as it was being challenged through the courts. Therefore, you forged a will in Antony's name and killed him to try and make good on it. You needed witnesses to each of your forged wills and persuaded friends or acquaintances of yours to lend their signatures to your fraud. As a result of that... Each of them has lost their good character. Linda Rickard was told that for murder a life sentence would apply, and the minimum term she would spend in prison was nearly three decades. 28 years to be precise. She was 62 when she was sentenced, so if Linda Rickard serves her full term, she will be 90 when she is released, if she lives that long. Being found guilty of causing or allowing the death of a vulnerable adult, her husband Wayne also admitted to several fraud charges. He was convicted of fraud and perverting the course of justice. He was sentenced to ten and a half years. Mr Justice Wall highlighted that Wayne Rickard had clearly been using the kitchen to prepare meals, so why could he not provide Anthony Sutheran with anything? The Rickard's bedroom was near Anthony Sutheran's room, so it was obvious what was going on. The four accomplices were also sentenced. Like Linda Rickard, none of them appeared to have any criminal record to speak of. Shanda Robinson, who was friends with the Rickards and lived nearby, was charged with perverting the course of justice and signing a will she knew to be fraudulent. She was sentenced to 32 months in prison. Denise Neal, another acquaintance of Linda Rickard and someone who also claimed to have provided care for the Sutherans, was sentenced to 27 months, and Michael Dunkley received 24 months. Due to the COVID pandemic, they were told they would be required to serve only half of their prison terms, and then the remainder on licence. Finally, June Allsford, the eldest accomplice, would not face any time behind bars. She had been the only member of the group to help the police with their investigation. She even tried to persuade the others to plead guilty. June Allsford was given a two-year suspended sentence for her guilty plea. So where are we now? What ultimately led Linda Rickard to the point in her life where she starved a wealthy and vulnerable man to death is something only she knows. It can be supposed the motivation behind her actions was greed, and she saw an opportunity when it was clear that Anthony Sutheran could not care for himself. She had Anthony Sutheran's life in her hands but instead of making sure he received life-saving treatment he was left to die. Linda Rickard could not even admit what she had done in court but at least now on those long nights in a prison cell she will have plenty of time to think about it. Sadly, the abuse and eventual murder of Anthony Sutheran is not an isolated case. There are countless instances where elderly people are exploited financially by the very people that are meant to be looking after them. If you are concerned an elderly person is being exploited, you can call 101 in the UK or visit weareourglass.org. Thank you for listening. And a special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.
0: Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Listen to this ACAST
1: show ad free on Amazon Music with your Prime membership or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.